Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Eliab was going through some things, y'all. David said, now what have I done? Can't I even speak? Just like the youngest brother. Like, leave me alone. He turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. The same matter being, what is going on? Why are y'all not fighting him? And the man answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul. Saul at the time was king. He was already dethroned, but we'll get back to that. And Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Essentially, David said, y'all don't worry about it. I got it. Since y'all too scared, I got it. And Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his youth. Skip down to verse 38. Because pretty much David decided, I'm going to fight him. So Saul was like, all right. If you want to go out there, here you go. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around. Because he was not used to them, he said, I cannot go in these because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, we thank you because we know that you are here. Heavenly Father God, take the words out of my mouth, God, and use it to bless your people. Decrease me and increase you, Lord. Heavenly Father, have your way in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we're going to get to know each other a little bit through the course of this message. I'm going to say some things. Y'all going to learn a little bit about me. Some are embarrassed and some I'm actually very proud of. And that's okay. But have you ever been stuck? Like stuck on the side of the road? Like stuck. Stuck, yeah. Okay, so in college, I, um, I okay, let me, let, me, let me preface the story. I am not a car person. And by I'm not a car person means I had a dad who did all the things. And then I went to college and dad was not there. I still didn't do all the things. So I don't do maintenance. I don't do oil change. I'm just not a car person. A car is to get me from point A to point B. It serves its purpose. Good. Um, but in college, I had this car. It was a 1998 Chevy Malibu. And I called her Miss Malibu. That was back in the day when you used to name your car. Some of you still name your cars now. Stop it. That's childish. Let's grow up. But me and Miss Malibu, y'all, that was my car. Like, I mean, her dashboard was lit up. But I knew her. She knew me. We knew how to make this thing work. The thing about Miss Malibu is I knew how far I could push her on E. Right? Anybody like that? I'm, I'm the kind of person who I drive my car on a hope and prayer. I hope and pray while I get to the gas station. So with Miss Malibu, I knew that when her gas light came on, I had a, I had a smooth 40 miles. Smooth 40 miles, 40 miles, yep, 40 miles. I said it, I said it, 40 miles. Now see, this was back in the day, remember I said in 1998. So it wasn't one of them bougie cars y'all got now that tells you 20 miles to empty, and you had to guess. 
So this day in college, I was going to an event. We're going to call it an event. It was somewhere I wasn't supposed to go, but you know, we're going to leave that where it is. But I was going to an event, got all dressed up, got in the car, and my gas light was on. Normally, that's not a problem. But this particular time, my roommate had used my car. So I wasn't sure if the gas light had just came on, if it had been on. Like, I wasn't sure where we are. But because I'm full of infinite wisdom, I decided to risk it all. So I get in the car, and I start driving to my event. I'm going. I'm jamming. I'm probably jamming Nuck If You Buck, you know, around that time. Seems fitting. You got to get yourself riled up before you get to the place. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So I'm driving. I'm pressing the gas. But Miss Malibu is slowing down. And I was like, hmm, okay, just press a little harder. Maybe it's just having some moments. And I'm pressing harder, and she's still slowing down. All of a sudden, Miss Malibu decides she's not going anymore. So I pull over on the side of the road, and I'm sitting there for a second, and I'm like, okay, what's going on? I rub her. Y'all ever rub your car? I rub her. I talk to her a little bit. I'm like, all right, Miss Malibu, listen, I know it's been, it's been, it's been rough, but we got to get to this event. And I start the car back up, and she was like, nah, we're not going nowhere. So I had an option. My two options were I could walk to the gas station. That was probably about a mile and a half. Um, and here's, okay, so I don't do cars. I hate buying gas. But more than that, I hate walking <laughs> anywhere. So the other option was I could wait for campus roadside assistance to bring gas. So, you know, I do what I do and I call campus roadside assistance because I'm not walking. Um, and they tell me it's a three-hour wait. Yeah. Yeah, most of y'all would have got up and walked. Not me. Nope. <laughs> Sat right there in that car. And these, y'all, I called my friends. They weren't real friends because they were like, nah, girl, we already here. They're they going to come help you. We'll see you in a little bit. But campus roadside assistance came. They fill up the tank. They did all the things that they did. But y'all, because I decided to not deal with the issue, to not go an easier route and just walk. I had to, I missed the party, event, event. Mama, it was an event. I missed the networking event. And I got a bill from Campus Roadside Assistance and they charged a premium for gas. They were taxing. But how many of y'all know that sometimes life puts us in a position where we have two choices? We can either decide to face the opposition that we're looking at, or we can stay where we're at. What does that mean? For some of us, life is not bad. For some of us, our marriage is okay, but it's not thriving like the Word of God says it needs to thrive. For some of us, our finances are not that bad. We're not living paycheck to paycheck. We can pay our bills, but we don't see that above and beyond. We don't see that space where we can be generous. Maybe it's our health. We're not dying. But it's an issue after an issue after an issue, and we're not seeing the abundance and the goodness that God had promised us. Listen, in the Bible, David was facing a Goliath. What is a Goliath? A giant that stands in the way between where you are and what God has promised you. You see, David knew. David had a promise. In chapter 16, he was crowned king. But the Goliath stood in his way. And he knew that the only way to get to what God had promised him was to go through the Goliath. For a lot of us, 
where we are and where we need to go, there's a giant that's standing there. What's the giant? Something that intimidates you. It may be an insecurity you never dealt with. It may be the cultural mindset that you grew up with. It may be that your finances are where they are because you refuse to deal with your debt. You refuse to deal with the budget. You refuse to steward where you are. The truth of the matter is, as Christians, we should want what God has for us. And a lot of times what we do because we don't want to deal with the giant, we don't want to get out the car and walk, we spiritualize where we are. It's, oh no, God is good. I'm good where I am. He's done more than enough. If he doesn't do anything else, he's done more than enough. I'm not talking about y'all, I'm talking about me. And we, we, we sit, we sit in less than what God has promised us because we're too scared to deal with the giant in front of us. The truth of the matter is, we all want the more that God promises. But if we don't deal with the giant that is standing between where we are and where we need to go, we will never see it. How many of y'all in here want to stay where you are? Columbia, how many of y'all want to see what God has promised us? The Bible tells us in the Bible tells us that we are overcomers. The Bible tells us that the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. How many of y'all know the God you serve? How many of y'all know the God you serve? Columbia, do you know the God that you serve? I don't know about y'all, but the God that I serve has promised me some great things. And he has also promised that he won't leave me nor forsake me. So the giant that I'm facing is not for me to go at alone. He's with me. Amen. The truth of the matter is as long as there's breath in our body, there's more that God has for us. The Bible says we go from glory to glory to glory. But you know, the enemy ain't happy about that. We know what the Bible says, but so does he. And he wants to keep us right where we are. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm not willing to settle where the enemy will let me stay. I'm going after everything that God has for me. You see, in the story, I was looking at this story and I was like, David, um, David was a little nosy. Like, let's be honest, y'all. Goliath, David. If it was you, I would have rolled up to that battlefield and been like, ooh, y'all got problems. Here's your food. I'm going to pray for y'all. I'll catch y'all later. But David had a vested interest. See, in chapter 17, we find him on the battlefield. But in chapter 16, Samuel had just anointed him king. And when David got to the battlefield, he saw the promise that God had promised him. But he realized that if the Philistine army defeated the Israel army, he was going to be king over nothing. He would just be king in title alone. Because while Goliath was taunting them, he said, if y'all win, we will become y'all subjects. But if we win, y'all will become ours. That's another word for slaves. And what? Who, king of slaves? <laughs> like, that's just, there's nothing. And David wanted all that God had for him. So he knew that if I didn't defeat this Goliath, then the promise that I had received in chapter 16 was never going to come to pass. But when you go about to defeat your giant, the truth of the matter is people will try to discourage you. You see, Eliab and his brothers were like, why are you here? What are you doing? 
This is not for you. Even Saul tried to discourage him. And people will try to discourage you from battles that they are unwilling to engage in. It's not about you, but it's them. It's their insecurity. It's their fear. It's their paralyzation. And they're going to try to dissuade you from doing something that they can't. So as we go after the giants in our life and as we pursue all that God has for us, I want you guys to remember these three things. The first thing is this, your identity will always be questioned. Your identity will always be questioned. When David showed up, his brother said, why are you here? Why are you here? The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 7, 2018, he said, why have you come down here and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. The truth of the matter was, Iliad was a hater. Yeah. Ain't no two ways about it. I read this several times and I was like, well, maybe he was nah. Because he's the oldest, I'm the oldest, and I know sometimes we're usually right. Iliad, he on, a, he, he on his own island. Iliad was a hater. Why? Because Iliad was passed up. Iliad was the oldest of eight, and he watched Samuel pass him up and his seven brothers and go down to the youngest. What did the Bible say about the last shall be the first? But Iliab, Iliab had some stuff in his heart that he was working out. He was already feeling insecure because he had been taunted by this giant that he couldn't defeat. And here comes baby brother that's like, I got this. Let's do this. But the truth of the matter is, when you decide to pursue the giants in your life, your identity will be questioned. And when people ask you, why have you come here? What do you say? You have to have an answer. You have to know why you are here. Not to answer the people asking because not everybody deserves an answer. But you do need to have a word that you have in your heart. Because if you don't know why you are here, they will discourage you. If you don't know why you are here, the first time you see opposition, you're going to turn around and go home. If you don't know why you are here, when it doesn't work out the way you want it to the first time, you're going to turn around and go home. You have to know why you are here. Why are you here? Because God has called me to something. God has promised me something. God has told me that I have something and I'm here because I'm pursuing it. I'm here because I want all that he has for me. So it doesn't matter what you say. I'm not here for you. I'm not here because you're here. I'm here because God has called me here. And that's something that you have to settle in your heart. That's something that you have to understand. You have to know why have you come here. The other thing is this. Eliab said, what did you do with those sheep? First of all, like I said, Eliab was a hater. Everybody on the battlefield didn't need to know he tended to sheep. Like, that's none of their business. That's family information. Like, what was the point? But the point was, Eliab wanted to remind David that you're not a warrior. You're a shepherd. And shepherds don't belong on the battlefield. So what'd you do with those sheep? What Eliab didn't understand is, number one, David was sent. And number two, before he was sent, he took care of the responsibility he originally had. See, in the scripture, it said that Jesse sent David. And before he sent him, David made arrangements to take care of the sheep that God had given him. But the truth of the matter is, people will always try to use your past to define you where you are. I remember when I was in college, um, y'all pray for me. My mom ain't never heard the story, and I know she's watching. <clears throat> 
But when I was in college, I changed my major from pre-med to pre-law. And I needed this one class to qualify for my major. And I started taking this class and I went and y'all remember college, like four, four exams, they average it together, that was your grade? Okay, great, y'all with me. So my first exam I took it, I made it 55. Yeah, I failed it, failed it, failed it. There was no, yeah. Ain't no way to adjust that up. I straight up failed it. Um, and I do what most college students do. I went to office hours, right? Not because I really cared about learning the material, but if you go to office hours enough, you can convince your teacher where to go with the grade. Y'all, see, look. Y'all are my people. So I rolled up to office hours. And Columbia, y'all, I should have known where I was going because the guy or the, the guy who was in the room before me walked out crying. So I should have known what kind of professor I was about to go meet. So I walk in, she pulls up my grade. Professor Kim, I'm talking about you. I ain't never forgot and I ain't never gonna forget. But she pulls up my grade and she goes, so are you here to drop my class? I was like, no, no ma'am, mm-mm. I need this class to get into my major to graduate on time because what you don't know is I have a mama and she's crazy. And when she dropped me off freshman year, she said, I'll be back in four years. Ain't no extensions, ain't no fifth year senior, nothing wrong with that, but Dooney is crazy. So I only had one option, I had to pass this class. So I told her, I said, no, I need to pass this class and I need an A. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep, 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 yep. She looked at me and was like, oh yeah, no. Mm -mm. She was like, you could probably pass the class if you worked really hard, but you're not getting an A. She was like, for you to get an A, you would have to get 100 on the three remaining exams. Okay, so y'all done learned a couple of things about me. Not good with cars, I don't like to buy gas, I don't like to walk, but let me tell y'all what I really don't like. Someone telling me what I can't do. Like, I looked at her and I was like, okay. I need to get 100 on the three remaining exams, cool. Don't even have the textbook, but I'm about to go buy it. So I go and get the textbook. And I get a study room, I get some Skittles and Red Bull. It's, a, it's an elixir. I'm telling you, it helps you focus. It helps the words come alive. It helps it lay on your heart. College students, I'm giving you a secret. Get some Red Bull and some Skittles, mix it together. If your heart starts palpitating, it's working. But make sure someone knows where you are. But I start studying for these exams. The next test comes, I get a 98. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sly flex, sly flex, sly flex. Still wasn't 100, but I get a 98. The test after that, I get 100. The last test, the final, I technically need 104 to balance out the 98. There's only 100 points on the test. But on the final, by the grace of God, she gives extra credit. Hold on, y'all cheering too early. So I take this test and I get 102. It is good, but no, it's close, but no dice. So my average for the class was an 
Now I'm feeling myself because I went from a 55. So I walked to office hours again. Like, come on. I pull up in her office to sit down. I'm like, you know, chest a little out, got a smile on my face. I'm thinking she's about to give me my props. So I'm like, Professor Kim, I'm at an 89.4. I really need this A. Like, it's point one. So she was like, okay, hold on. And she looks at my grades and she's like, you know, normally I would. But your first exam was so bad, I don't think you deserve this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I knew Jesus. I didn't know him as closely as I know him now. So me and Professor Kim had some words, to be honest. I repented. God has forgiven me. But the truth of the matter is people will try to use your past to qualify where you currently are. They'll try to use your past to define where you are. They'll try to tell you that first marriage failed. How dare you try again? They're going to try to tell you that first business failed. How dare you try again? They're going to try to tell you you barely qualify for the job you have. How dare you apply for that promotion? People will try to use your past to qualify you. But the truth of the matter is, Romans 8.1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Meaning, it doesn't matter what happened in my past. I'm a new creation. All things have passed away. Everything is new. So it don't matter that I got that 55. The three remaining exams, I killed it. So I took my happy butt to the head of the department, and I told her my story, and she gave me my A. And if I ever see Professor Kim in the streets, I'm going to let the streets handle her. But in the story in 1 Samuel 17, Saul told David, you can't go and fight this Philistine. You're too young and inexperienced. And he's been fighting at this since before he was born. What are they trying to do? They're trying to intimidate you away from what God has for you. They're trying to tell you what you can't do based on what the giant in front of you can. So they're trying to tell you, you can't own a home because your credit score is too low. You don't know my God. They try to tell you that, hey, that first kid, it didn't work out well. Those two remaining, you're not qualified to handle them. You don't know my God. And as Christians, we have to have the word of God and we have to have a holy conviction about ourselves that it doesn't matter what has happened in my past. It doesn't matter what mistakes I have made. You don't know my God. And the God I serve can do all things, all things, all things. He has redeemed my past. It doesn't matter what it looked like. All that matters is where I'm going. My past has been redeemed. My future is secure in Christ. The second thing is this. You can only win as you. You can only win as you. 1 Samuel 17, 38. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around. Because he was not used to them, he goes, I cannot go in these because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Excuse me. You can only win as you. David could have thrown on all of the armor. He could have said, you know what? Y'all are right. 
I'm not a battle. I'm not a warrior. I'm a shepherd. I only have this. Let me, let me get all the tools. I would have been asking for everything. Let me get a gun. Let me get a machete. You got a bomb. What y'all got? Like, come on, all y'all line up. We're going to go together. Like, it, I mean, like, I would have been like, I need everything. But see, David understood that he couldn't be anybody other than who God had called him to be. Because in 16, when God anointed him, what was David? A shepherd. So when God was going to get ready to use him again, what did he need to be? A shepherd. And as a shepherd, he had faced battles before. And he had faced battles with the tools in his hand. And those tools in his hand made him victorious. So he knew that that was the only way that I could show up. David understood that it was not his ability to fight the way that others fought. David knew his secret weapon. It's who God made him to be. And a lot of times as Christians, we look at people in the li- their lives around us and we covet what they have. If only I had that upbringing. If only I spoke like this. If only I had that money, this talent, this gift. But the truth of the matter is God knew what he was doing when he created you. You were made in his image. Everything you need for the giant in front of you is already in you. It doesn't matter what the people around you have. It doesn't matter how they went around getting what they got. What God has for you is for you. And everything you have and everything that you despise most of the time is what God wants to use. So that flaw that you try to hide, God put that in there. And he knew what he was doing when he put that in there. A lot of times, you know, the world tells us the way to wealth, you need 10 streams of income. You need rental property, you need an Airbnb, you need social media influences, you need workbooks, you need to do this. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's what God has for you. But if that's not what he has for you, if that's not the talent and gifting he has for you, don't try to win that way. Win the way that God created you. I had a friend in college, y'all. We, I mean, literally down to the same GPA, she was a phenomenal speaker. I mean, like debate. I'm not trying to go up against her. And I remember when I switched my major to pre-law, I kind of felt insecure. I was like, I can't articulate the way that she can articulate. Maybe I should go back to medicine. And I had a moment where I doubted myself and I doubted how God made me. But the truth of the matter is everything that I needed for life and godliness, he had already put inside of me. And I may not be as articulate as her, but baby, I'm a lawyer. I still reach the destination. So it may not look how yours look, but I will get to where I need to go. You know, a lot of times when we look at the things around us and we look at the things that we don't have, we start to overcompensate. We believe the lies of the enemy and then we begin to build an identity around it. So we believe that I'm not as smart as everybody around me. So I'm going to be goofy. I'm going to entertain everyone when that's not who God had made you to be. You believe I'm not as pretty as everybody else around me, so I'm going to do more to get the attention of guys. You believe that I'm not, I may not have the credit score that that person had when they started their business, so I'm going to just work really hard and save up a lot of money and do X. Whatever it is, stop overcompensating and create an identity around your flaws and the things that you don't think you have. God is looking for you to bless you. God is looking for you to win as you. God is looking for you to show up as you. Because when you show up as you, he can use that. He created that in his image. All the other stuff that you add on, he doesn't know what that is. That's not him. That's the lies the enemy has told you and you put it on. 
And God can't do anything with that. So if you're sitting here today and you realize that you have created an identity or you have put on for people, and we do it as Christians. I do it sometimes. We act like we're full of faith when we're scared to death. We walk into church and it's like, how's everything going? Oh, you know, God is good. He's with me. He's in control. And deep down inside, you're freaking out. You're like, I don't know if he's going to show up and heal this disease. I don't know if he's going to show up and make this finances work. I don't know if he's going to show up and send me my husband. But oh, I'm going to smile and put on. And putting on doesn't serve us. It doesn't serve the people around us. We can only win as ourselves and as who God has called us to. 1 Corinthians 1.27, it says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God knew what he was doing when he let David fight Goliath. He wanted to confuse them. He needed to confuse them. They had sat there for 40 days in paralyzation. And when Eliab wanted to remind David, you're just a shepherd, God was like, okay, watch how I use the shepherd. So I don't know where you are and I don't know what situation you're sitting in, but the Bible says that God is going to use foolish things to confuse the wise. So it doesn't matter what they are telling you. It doesn't matter what they are saying. God is going to use it for your glory. The last thing is this. Your identity will be questioned, so you have to know why you are there and who called you. You have to show up authentically as you. But the truth of the matter is, you have to leave room for the supernatural. Isaiah 64, 6. We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall and our sins sweep us away like the wind. The truth of the matter is our best is like filthy rags before God. And the giant in in front of us is bigger than us. And I think David understood that. David knew, hey, I know who I am and I know who called me. He knew that he had to show up as himself, but he also understood, I can't do this alone. I have to go with God. In 1 Samuel 17, 36, when Saul was talking to David and Saul was trying to get him to wear all of the armor and do all of the things, David had to remind Saul, I've been here before. He said, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, this uncircumcised Philistine. That's curse words back in the day. He had to make it clear. Don't care how big you are, you uncircumcised. (laughs) We'll be like one of them. Because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Reaching into his bag and taking out his stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. See, David wasn't scared of Goliath because David knew I was not facing this giant alone. But there was a God that had been walking with me in the field, in the field with when I was tending to my sheep and being just a shepherd. I had faced the lion and God showed up. I had faced the bear and God showed up. So why would I doubt that God would show up right now when I'm about to face this Goliath? 
See, we have to understand that we can't do any of this in our own strength. Yeah, we're smart. Yes, we have the money. Yes, we're prepared. Yes, all of this. But we have to leave room and space for God to do what only he can do. See, David swung that sling and hit Goliath in the forehead. And Goliath fell face down. That doesn't happen. When you hit something with force, it falls backwards. When David was going up to the Philistine, he said, you come with sword, but I come in the power of the living God. David understood that the giant that you're facing, the thing that's standing between where you are and what God has promised you, it is something that you're not gonna be able to do alone. It is something that you're gonna have to get away in the presence of God. You're gonna have to talk to God and know, hey God, you're the one that has been walking with me through my entire life. You have kept me when I shouldn't have been kept. You love me when I shouldn't have been loved. And now as I stand at the battlefield ready to face this giant, I need you with me. I need you to go before me. I need you to fight this battle because I can't do it on on my own. Church, we have to understand the God that we serve. We got to understand this word. This Bible tells us that the battle is not ours. It's God's. It also tells us that he's already won every single battle. So how dare we as Christians cower in the presence of the giants that we're facing when our God has already won You know, when I was preparing for this message, I prayed, I said, God, I need David's boldness. Because the truth of the matter is some of our giants are intimidating. The truth of the matter is some of our giants are big. And God reminded me, 1 Corinthians 15, 10, he said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. See, that scripture reminds me, I still have to show up fully. I still have to steward a budget. I still have to, I still got to study for the exam. But when I do what I'm supposed to do, he shows up and does what he's supposed to do. So I don't know where you are. I don't know what situation you're in right now. But there's a giant that you're facing. There's something that's standing in between where you are and what God has promised you. And even in this moment, allow God to speak to you. Allow him to make this message personal to you. Maybe you're in here and God has been telling you to start that business, but your insecurity and your fear of failure has gripped you and held you paralyzed. And maybe he's speaking to you today about facing that giant. Maybe you're in here and that marriage is struggling and that's the giant that you're facing, not your partner but the enemy that's in the midst of your marriage. And he's speaking to you about showing up fully, understanding why you have come here because he called you to that marriage, understanding that he hasn't left you alone. Or maybe you're in here and you're like, all this sounds good, but I don't even know this God that has more for me. And right now, life doesn't look the way that you're talking about it looking. And if that's you, it would be my honor and privilege to introduce you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that has so much more for you. If that's you, please repeat after me. And church, this is a sign of encouragement. Let's all say this prayer together. Dear God, I surrender. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for putting more in me than even I am aware of. 
I want all that you have for me and more. And I promise that I will give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Church, can we celebrate those that just made that decision?